Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning is today's first reading from the book of Exodus chapter 17. We'll hear again these words. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? This is the word of our God. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, a monk joined a monastery and took a vow of silence. After 10 years at the monastery, the superior called him in and asked him if there was anything that he would like to say. He said just two words, food, bad. Ten years later, the superior called him in once again, gave him that very same opportunity. He also said just two words, bed, hard. Ten more years went by. The same thing happened. The superior called him in. Again, he spoke just two words. He said, I quit. To which the superior replied, well, I'm not surprised. All you've done is complain ever since you've been here. Now, that light-hearted little story introduces to us the topic of complaining, but, but here's the thing, complaining is not really a light-hearted matter, is it? Especially the complaining that we hear about in our text for this morning and the grumbling and complaining that often comes out of our own mouths. You see, that complaining reveals in us a lack of satisfaction, a lack of contentment, a lack of trust in our God. Often we are tempted to ask, as God's own children in Israel asked, is the Lord among us or not? Our pessimistic, sinful hearts will always answer no to that question. He's not with us. But God, in grace and mercy, in compassion and patience, always answers with a resounding yes. He is with us to take care of us, body and soul. Now, God's chosen people, the children of Israel, were not exactly noted for their quiet contentment. God, of course, had been so very good to them. He chose them as his own purely in grace. He gave them the promise of a Savior. He delivered them from captivity in Egypt using those ten miraculous plagues. And now their enemies, the whole Egyptian army, were lying at the bottom of the Red Sea. They stood on the shore of that sea and they sang a joyful song of praise for victory to their Savior God. But the echoes of that song had hardly died away before they began to complain and grumble. After three thirsty days without finding a source of water, they came to a place called Mara. There they found water, but when they tasted it, the water was bitter. It was undrinkable. So they grumbled against Moses, what are we to drink? But God was with them. He provided a piece of wood, which when thrown into that water, made it sweet and drinkable. Well, their water problem was solved, but suddenly food came to be in short supply. So they grumbled and complained again, and this time I think in the most dramatic fashion. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. But God was with them then, too, in grace and in mercy, and I think in just unbelievable patience. God sent quail and manna to feed them. He literally rained food from heaven, and he kept this up for 40 years. So all the complaining stopped, right? 
Well, their water supply ran low once again, and so grumbling ran high. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Is the Lord among us or not? At this point, Moses had pretty much had enough. He kind of threw up his hands and said, Lord, I don't know how to deal with these people. You deal with them. So the Lord did. In great grace and in unending patience, he dealt with them. He provided for them. This time, he miraculously caused water to gush forth out of a dry, dead, dusty rock in the middle of a desert. He brought life from the lifeless. Once again, and over and over again, a gracious God showed them that he was with them and he would care for them. Now, we'd never complain like they did, right? Well, not so fast. We complain a lot, don't we? And sometimes, my friends, we complain about such trivial things, standing in front of a closet filled with clothing, going, I just don't have anything to wear. Or we complain about the weather. It's too cold. It's too hot. It's too humid. It's too dry. It's too snowy. There's not enough snow for my outdoor activities. The weatherman, he has no idea what he's talking about. We complain about the government. My taxes are too high. My taxes are too low. We can't get anything done. The streets are too rough. As if God isn't able to care for us through the government that he's placed over us. Oh, we do bring up and complain about more serious matters, don't we? We sometimes question whether our Lord is really with us to take care of us. Lord, why did you allow my husband to become so very sick? Why did you allow my child to have this learning disability? Where were you, Lord, and your angels when that drunk driver slammed into my loved one? Or let's talk about current events. Have you complained at all about anything since the advent of this coronavirus crisis? Perhaps more precisely, have you complained at all about people during the outbreak of this disease? My goodness, the whole world has absolutely lost their minds. What a bunch of weirdos going out and buying up all the, all the hand sanitizer as if it's the zombie apocalypse. And don't even get me started about toilet paper. I mean, and the government doesn't seem to know what they're doing. What are we supposed to do? I mean, if people would just wash their hands and mind their own business, everything would be just fine. It's amazing how quickly we can become experts in the transmission of infectious diseases, especially when the people around us are being annoying. Here's what Paul told the Philippians. He said, Do everything without grumbling. At times, we do exactly the opposite of that, though, don't we? We grumble about everything. We complain all the time. It seems like we are never really satisfied. Do you know what all these complaints say to our God? They say, Lord, you're not doing a very good job. Lord, I don't trust you to take care of me. Lord, I deserve better. We don't. We deserve God's anger. We deserve to be punished for our sins. We deserve to be cast out of his presence forever and ever. My friends, that's why I absolutely love this passage from the 103rd Psalm. 
The Spirit knew that we sinners needed to be comforted, and so he inspired King David to put pen to paper and write these beautiful words. The Lord does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. The God who was patient with his grumbling chosen people is patient with us grumbling sinners today. He does not treat us as we deserve to be treated. No, just the opposite. He takes such good care of us, both body and soul. And my friends, nowhere is his care and concern, his patience and presence, his grace and his giving heart more clearly seen than at the blood-stained cross and the empty tomb of our Savior. God could have sent us to hell. Instead, he sent his son. He sent his son to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. He sent Jesus to provide for us the kind of life that he demands, a life of perfect love and obedience. Jesus did that. He is a lamb without blemish or defect. He was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And now God looks on us because of Jesus as his obedient, perfect, blemish-free lambs. God sent Jesus to do something else. He sent Jesus to take away the sin that he cannot tolerate. Jesus did that. Jesus carried our sin, our guilt, and our shame all the way to the cross. And there he shed that priceless blood of the God-man to pay for all of it, to atone for that sin. The payment has been made in full. It is finished. And so now nothing, nothing stands between us and our God. Washed in the blood of the Lamb, we are God's friends and his family forever. And it really is forever, my friends. Jesus' empty tomb proclaims this loudly and clearly. It says, mission accomplished. God is satisfied. And the gates of heaven are open to all who trust in Jesus. My friends, as if all that wasn't enough, God still to this day is caring for our souls. He sends directly from heaven the manna of his word and the living water of his sacraments to feed our faith in Jesus. We are so well fed. We are his baptized children, washed clean, fully forgiven, and empowered to live a godly life, a life of thanksgiving and Christian witness instead of grumbling and complaining all to his glory. Each day, God gives us opportunity after opportunity to hear and read and study and grow in his word. Just think about it for a second. At any given moment, how far away are you from God's word? I mean, it's as close as the app on your phone or the Bible sitting there on your nightstand. And my friends, in just a few minutes, we are going to receive the Lord's gospel in another form. We're going to receive our Savior's true body and blood to assure us of his never-ending love and his complete forgiveness. And as if all that wasn't enough, God also cares for our bodies too. He gives us our daily bread in an abundance, everything that we need for body and for life. Homes to live in, beds to sleep in, closets full of clothes, refrigerators full of food, cars to get us where we need to go, good roads on which to drive, insurance, medical care, police protection, education, and on and on and on, seemingly blessings without end. As we go together through this time of national emergency, I'm reminded of other blessings that we enjoy, which maybe we don't pay attention to so often. 
We have government agencies like the Centers for Disease Control, the World Health Organization. We have dedicated, knowledgeable scientists and researchers. We have hardworking government officials. We have dedicated doctors and nurses and other healthcare professionals. And right now, they are all putting in a tremendous number of hours and enduring all kinds of criticism and not so kind remarks and not so positive feedback. And they're doing all of that simply to keep us safe. God uses these things to take care of us. My friends, let's be thankful for all of it. Let's be thankful and do everything we can to assist them. You know, every day, our mighty and merciful God makes his presence known. Every day, he keeps his promise to be an ever-present help in trouble, to never leave us or forsake us, to be with us always, even to the end of the age. Nothing will ever stop him from keeping those promises. Not COVID-19, not a change of pastor, not even death. I think Paul sums it all up so beautifully for us. He says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Someone very wise once said, Complaining is like rocking in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you don't get very far. You don't really accomplish anything. My friends, we have so very few reasons to complain and so many reasons to give thanks to a gracious God and to trust in his promises. The children of Israel asked, Is the Lord among us or not? God's answer was an immediate and a resounding yes. And he is still Emmanuel, the God who is with us. That's not going to change. Not now, not ever. Thanks be to God. Amen.